everybody, and welcome to another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd, and I am the first voice you always hear on the podcast, but by no means the most important, because the two people who share presenting duties with me are the people that actually know stuff about money. I just know a bit of stuff about life and try and apply it to their great knowledge. So the first of those people I'm going to introduce is Tom Morris. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Tomo. Um, can you remember a time when we used to keep it really quiet where we were actually from and who pays and sponsors for all of this? I say sponsor. No. But, no. Um, because I'm going to do it again. I am a director and chartered financial planner over at Ovation Finance, a wonderful financial planning company, if I don't say so myself, based in Bristol, who try our hardest to implement a lot of what we talk about in this podcast into our service for our clients. Yeah, well, I don't work for Ovation. Uh, I am paid a small amount to do this podcast by Ovation, for which I'm very, very grateful. But actually, I'm also a client of Ovation. And I have to say, hand on heart, that you offer a brilliant service that has kept me financially well looked after and has maintained my financial well-being for many years now. So thank you for that. And of you course, that company... Tomo, he wants to raise. He wants to raise <laughs> Tomo. No, no, no. no. Shh, shh, shh. It's not happening. It's not happening. So what, I'll be invoicing you later. I'll just I should to... say, I'm also the finance director. Of <laughs> and the, the tight ass follows through for sure. I can, listeners, I can absolutely confirm that. Uh, and, and in, in the end, in the end, the, the money that I get paid for this certainly uh, doesn't pay my heating bills, but uh, at least it makes me feel that I'm not being totally taken advantage of. Uh, but talking of Ovation Finance, let's now talk to the person that set the company up in the first place many, many years ago, Chris Bard. Morning, everybody. Uh, I was just thinking, what, when you say, who are you? You know, you kind of think about what defines you. And I think, David, in my thinking, uh, this is being recorded in April 2022. I think I'm Chris Bud, retired cricketer. Have you finally decided to hang up your boots, well, Chris? Well, I think so. You see, the problem is that the the, le- the level of league that cricket I play is now so low <laughs> that you have to retire at 50, right? Now I played like fifty year. years at for fifty years old or fifty. Yeah, sorry, sorry, you have to make yeah, a point. Yeah, sorry, you have to retire when you've hit fifty as a batsman. I uh, wish I, I hit a few last season and had to retire. Uh, and I tell you, those thirteen-year-old leg spinners—they didn't stand a chance against me. <laughs> um, uh, but I always wanted to. You kind of a, you retire when you you can't ever score more than your age. And I'm now 55 this year, so I'd have to get to 49 and then hit a six. <laughs> well, Chris, all I will say is that I am 66, 67 next month. And I have also uh, actually recently come to exactly the same conclusion. But I've got 12 years on you and I played a couple of games last year. So don't give up too soon all right. is all I would say to you, because you you spend a long time retired. The reason I'm packing it in it's for kind of all those reasons you said. I, I, I'm i more of a bowler than a batsman, and I just can't quite do the things with the ball that I used to be able to do. But the real reason is my body's just a little bit old and a little bit creaky, and I don't fancy spending a whole afternoon running around a cricket field or even standing in a cricket field and getting somebody else to do my running around for me. <laughs> you have not got that excuse, Chris. <laughs> so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a more positive spin on my sporting career, if you can call it that. Then this is a big moment for me. Some of you will or will not know, I'm a huge rugby fan. Played it up until I was around about 30, then started a family and and body was falling apart a bit and needed a break. But Toby, my eldest, he's 
five and he really wanted to try rugby. I took him along this weekend for the first time and I have never seen him more excited about anything in my life. I was full of pride. And I was chatting to the coach afterwards. He said, oh yeah, how's it going? Do you play much? Well, I used to, you know, turning 35 this weekend. He said, oh, you qualify for vets rugby then? I said, I'm, I'm, I may do. I said, yeah, we're thinking about getting the band back together. Maybe we can, uh, you know, get some games, play under the lights on a Friday night. So I'm starting to get very excited about the thought of playing veterans rugby as now I've hit that 35-year-old milestone. So I'm coming back. Good for you, Tomo. Listen, I can remember when I played many, many years ago when I first moved to Bristol. So I would have been in my 30s, mid-30s. And uh, I was playing for a team in Bristol. And there was a guy there. He was the president of the club. And he came out of retirement to play a game because we were desperate for numbers. And he played. He, he was must have been probably about my age now, actually. Uh, and uh, he kind of really enjoyed it, but, but was struggling a little bit physically because he hadn't actually played for a few years. And I spoke to him afterwards. And he, I said, did you enjoy it? And he went, well... I'd like to say I enjoyed it more than I actually did. But I tell you what, what I didn't enjoy was all those Saturday mornings after I'd packed it in, when I'd opened the curtains, the sun would be streaming in and I'd be thinking, I really want to be out there playing cricket. And then I wasn't. And I always remembered that. And so that's why I've kept going as 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 long as I have. I've been fortunate enough to be able to play seniors cricket at, at county level for Somerset. But, but even that for me now has been just kind of a little bit too much for me. And I've reluctantly decided that I'm going to focus on doing other things. Anyway, we're not here to talk about our We're not. Sport. And basically, Chris, stop moaning. You bought a lovely new cricket bat last year, and we talked about it, I'm sure, on the pod. So make sure you get a bit more use out of it. That's your tight-ass Tomo tip for the day. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even got on to tight-ass Tomo tip yet. We've, we've not talked about today's podcast. So before we do that and come on to our other regular feature, and before we carry on waffling on about how rubbish we are at sport or not, as the case may be, uh, Chris, why don't you tell us what today's podcast is actually about? Today, David, we are eventually, when we get around to it, um, <laughs> going to be talking about the big quit or the great resignation, as it's known in the UK. Millions of people changing their jobs over the last few years. Why is it happening? And what can people do if they are thinking about whether such a change might be good for their own well-being? Ah, fascinating. Look forward to talking about that. But before we do that, let's go on to the first of our regular features, which is uh, No Shizzle Sherlock, in which we listen to the words of wisdom from a financial or investment guru. I wonder whether this is indeed insightful and meaningful advice or whether it is perhaps arriving on the fast train from obvious land. So, Chris, what's today's stock market shenanigans? Well, today, David, we're going to look at a quote from a Princeton University professor, Burton Malkiel, I think it's pronounced. And back in 1973, he famously wrote, a blindfolded monkey throwing darts at a newspaper's financial pages could select a portfolio that would do just as well as one carefully selected by experts. <laughs> that wound a few people up. You did, just a bit, so much so that they put it to the test. And he was proven right. What, really? So <laughs> you so-called investment experts... <laughs> are saying that so-called investment experts do a worse job than monkeys. Well, yes, but that's the reason why I've got this on here, because I want to just ask Tomo to have a little look at whether this famous story really is valid. So, Tomo, can you justify being cleverer than a monkey? That's the (laughs) Uh, question that we're asking here. Arguably, no, um, but that's on many different levels of my life. Uh, Right, where do we unpack this? Well, the quote said they could, and they did, to be fair, not they should, that they could. 
but there was luck involved that may be difficult to replicate. So what actually happened, David, was that around 2010, a research company tried to replicate the situation. They randomly selected shares in 30 companies from a list of 1,000. They then compared this to the average market changes and returns, and the monkeys outperformed the markets. Now, this sounds conclusive, but it's not really. The reason that this happened is in the, the list of top 1,000 shares, the 30 largest companies make up about 40% of the value of the whole market. So a fund of that sector, or the market average, will almost certainly be weighted to those larger companies. Well, those monkeys that were throwing darts at a dartboard would almost certainly have found some more smaller companies that represented the market, and they tend to provide the opportunity for really big returns over a given period, but a lot riskier in doing so. So yes, they may have provided larger returns, but they would have taken a lot more risk in order to do so. So it's not like for like. And then why am I defending the whole financial industry? I don't know, but I'm trying to give some nuance to this. Well, no, I think what you've actually done is convince me that I'm going to end my association with the Vation and go out and get myself a monkey. <laughs> you could do a lot worse. <laughs> uh, but so you do read a lot of criticism of fund managers. Are you saying that that's unfair? Um, I think it's worth first explaining that there are two main types of funds or fund managers. There's active and there's passive, also known as a tracker fund. An active fund has a fund manager, a real person or a team who's trying to beat the market. In return for this human intervention and this potential to beat the market, you pay a premium, you pay more, you pay more in fund fees. A passive tracker fund simply tracks the market and charge a lot less for the privilege. Now, arguably passive is is the non-monkey version and the fund manager is the monkey version maybe. But uh, I don't know. Some press outlets may be quite generous with the praise of active funds, um, fund managers, and that's because there's paid advertorials knocking around. Um, some men all of a sudden are not so popular. So, yeah, your question of a lot of criticism, it just depends on the performance. I think active managers are there earning a lot of money. And if they don't perform and beat the market, then they do deserve a bit of criticism, yes. Um, but for us, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it's really hard to beat the market, regardless of the monkey thing. Um, so we're big fans of building client portfolios with index funds. So said, it's a lot cheaper and still provides investors with access to long-term growth, really diversified. It's the way you're invested, David. Um, there are some exceptions to that. Arguably where an active fund manager would help some sectors could benefit from it. The world of ethical or ESG investing, which we're going to have a series on, soon could potentially benefit from. So a really long answer to a question that I've really sat on the fence on, haven't I, David? You have indeed. But I think to sum it all up, which I must do now, monkeys could do a better job is not no shizzle Sherlock, but actually learn more peanuts. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I've even confused myself here. Yeah, basically the answer is... <laughs> not for could, the first time. I, I reckon they could now and again in this particular example, but on a whole, I wouldn't trust a monkey with your life savings. Podcasting gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, that was woeful. Sorry, listeners. Actually, no, 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 no. I think not trusting a monkey with your life savings is, I think, sums that up brilliantly. However, we will trust Tomo with a tight-ass Tomo tip. But before we do that, Chris, you got one this week? I do. I, I, Tomo probably knows more about this than I do, but it was something my daughter was telling me about, a website called Woucher. Now, I can't give any details on this because I don't know anything about it. I'm just simply going to relate the story my daughter told, okay? Which was that two of her friends got a three-day, I think, or two-day weekend holiday in Hungary, in Budapest, for £99. That's flights and accommodation. And it was through this website, Woucher. The, the deal is something on the lines of, if you if you sign up the £99 deal, you have to go anytime, any place. I think you might get a little bit of notice if you need to book holiday, but it's as long as you can be flexible, you can go anywhere. And I think there's a £199 deal that would take you to the Caribbean. Now, I don't know anything about that, so so massive caveat. Go and check it all out yourself. But I just thought, I heard that story from my daughter about her friends and thought, wow, that sounds, wow, that sounds like something worth checking out. Excellent. I'm going to look into that. Now, I've also got one as well, which is app-based as well. And uh, recently, a mate of mine told me about this app called Too Good To Go. And what that is, is you log into it and it gives you deals locally at shops or restaurants. And they're usually end of the day deals. And it's when they've got loads of food left over, which otherwise they're going to throw out. And they will put together what they call a magic bag of stuff that they've got left over. And you pay a low cost for that bag and you go and you don't always know what you're going to get. Uh, Our local bakery in Backwell, Chris, does it. And apparently you can go and pick up a magic bag there late in the afternoon and i'm assuming it's going to be a few buns or a loaf of bread or whatever it might be certainly if you're in one of the larger cities in bristol i know lots of restaurants participate in it and you can pick up some really nice bits of food that otherwise they were going to throw out uh, so not only are you saving yourself some money which obviously is what this is all about but you're also doing something to make sure that food is not wasted and thrown away so that's yeah. called too good to go uh, uh worth looking into definitely I wish there could be a record shop that would do a similar sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think record, records <laughs> degrade in the same way as food does, though. Anyway, that's us, Tom. What have you got for us? Good tip, by the way, David. Excellent tip. This one, we, I've, I've mentioned it before, but we've just come to the end. Whilst we're recording this, we are a week after the end of the tax year. <sighs> always, always busy. And it's a really useful tip for those that work from home. And you're able to get tax relief if you work from home, which helps to, the idea is you're going to be spending some money on, on electricity, on Wi-Fi, et cetera, to work from home. So HMRC, the tax man, recognises that. Um, so if you Google HMRC tax relief working from home, um, you're able to go on there. You don't need to do a self-assessment to reclaim it. You can go through a link, very straightforward. And uh, yeah, they give you this, they assume that it's cost you six pound a week to work from home and you'll get tax relief on that six pounds. So if you're a 20% taxpayer, you'll save one pound 20. And if you're a higher rate taxpayer, you'll save two pound 40. So, you know, times that by 52, it starts to add up a bit. Yeah. Well, as somebody who's worked from home pretty much all my working life, then I've always done that via, you know, my accountant does it for me when, when they submit my tax return. And certainly uh, I've always benefited from that. So, I think since working from home has become a lot more popular, more and more people are doing it. So thanks, Thomas, for pointing out and pointing people in that direction. And it's easy to do. It's easy to claim yeah, for. really easy. Really easy. So make sure you do it. Right then. Okay, let's move on to the uh, main event. Well, no, actually, Titus Tomo obviously is the main uh, event of the podcast. Yeah. But let's move on to the other event, 
which is the thing that we're talking about. So, Chris, tell us all about the big quit. Well, David, according to statistics from the Labor Department in America, four and a half million people in the US quit their jobs in 2021. There's a Microsoft study showed 41% of workers around the world are thinking about leaving their jobs. And in the UK, the website, the HR director, reports that 29% of UK workers are looking at changing their jobs in 2022. Wow, these are pretty big numbers. That's a lot higher, I have to say, than I would have expected them to be. The ONS, the Office of National T- Statistics, say that on average, around, you nine, say. Thank you, <laughs> around 9% of people change their jobs each year between 2000 and 2018. So 9%, 29%. In America, they call this the big quit. And in the UK, it's been termed the great resignation. Well, I prefer the big quit myself, actually. It's <laughs> yeah. a mouthful. Uh, so currently, 29% instead of 9%. That's a huge increase. That's one in three people thinking about changing their job. What's the reason for this? Now, I'm going to guess that the pandemic and the enormous opportunity for reflection on our lives must have had a large part to play in that. You'd imagine there's a few issues at play here. Um, I know we've had this conversation with many clients over the last year. But really, you've had lots of clients asking if they can change their jobs. Yeah, yeah, quite quite a few. You know, people who want to carry on working from home, but their employers won't let them, or people who have pursued hobbies at home during lockdown and realised that they want to make more, uh, you know, make more time to, to do the hobby. And just the isolation we all went through, wondering why they are working so hard at jobs that don't satisfy them. You know, lots of people are reflecting on their lives and wondering what changes they might make. Yeah, to be fair, given that Ovation specialise in that sort of financial planning, you probably would expect to be having those conversations more often. Yeah, no, that's true. That's that, that, that's a fair comment. Um, but some of these are really quite profound changes we're talking about. I put it out on Twitter to ask if there were anybody, um, anybody who has changed their jobs for less money. We got a few interesting comments. I sent you one, David. Yeah, I've got it here. It's from Christian Tate, at Christian RT, who said that he changed jobs for one that paid less money a month ago, changed from being a designer to a gardener groundskeeper. Uh, And in his tweet, he says, early days, I guess, but loving it so far, less stress, more enjoyable, following a new passion, feel fitter and healthier. The reason was that I just fancied doing something different and worried about how long I could continue my existing job into my 50s and 60s. And and here's someone I know, Sean Banks, who at Sean Banks FP on Twitter, who said that he stepped back financially to leap forward culturally. The finances take care of themselves when you're in the right place. We'll do it all again in a heartbeat. So we had a few comments like that. Our Twitter account is Finn Wellbeing, at Finn Wellbeing. So anybody else who's got something to share, please do tell us about it. Um, but it's not just jobs. It's also location. People are moving out of London in their droves to get a better living experience. Um, early retirement is now far more common than it was, with many people leaving career jobs to pursue lifestyle jobs, but for less money. The Yale course on happiness has been taken by millions of people. The whole subject, this podcast, the whole subject of well-being and happiness is much more on people's lips these days. Yeah, now how's this become possible, all these early retirements? It's not like we've all suddenly got more money than we used to have, is it? And obviously a few reasons. That's the point of this chat is I'd like us to explore them. And if I'm going to be honest, he said um, blowing on his nails and rubbing them on his lapel. I think the Financial Wellbeing podcast may have had something to do with it. What do you think, chaps? I think we changed the world for the better. It's all down to us. Nobody else has had any input into this whatsoever. Where's my MBE? (laughs) 
and in case you didn't know, listeners, you are one of two million uh, each episode that that tunes in. So we really are making a difference. Um, no, I, I joke. Actually, we just got the numbers in. I won't put them on on here out there, but they're pretty damn good. Actually, we're making a we're making a difference. So please I, keep I, sharing sharing I will. the podcast. I around. will five thousand a month. Absolutely amazing. But genuinely, we were at the kind of start of this. The Financial Wellbeing Book and Podcast appeared in 2016. But so many other people have been producing content on related topics. As I mentioned the Yale course on happiness. People like Kate Humble and Radio 4 presenter Claudia Hammond has written books about a relationship to money. An amazing organisation, Action for Happiness, established in 2010, which as a Dalai Lama's patron, um, has started to have real impact. If, any, if you don't know about Action for Happiness, it's really worth going to their website. They've got an app. They've got so many tools about becoming happy. We should really do a podcast on Action for Happiness at some point. They're great. Um, and we started the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, the IFW, which helps financial advisors to learn how to focus their advice on the well-being of their clients. Some of the major awards for financial advisors now even include financial well-being for the first time of the year. And uh, I may have been uh, up for a few of those, but uh, yeah, anyway, this is, this podcast isn't, isn't about me. Um, oh, it was great. Well, it, it seems it, to be turning into about you. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been nominated for one, I, so I haven't mentioned that. <laughs> not all about you tom i'm going to sulk now anyway bringing it back to uh, what we were talking about we, we this word zeitgeist is very fashionable but it, it does seem to me that, that that that's very appropriate in terms of what we're discussing now it is it is well-being is one of the prevailing moods of the western world it seems to get our lives more focused on what makes us happy not just on accumulating wealth that said there are still plenty of people still trying to get rich or famous but things are definitely changing it's a bit like yellow cars Oh, hello. There's another one of his strange statements. Yellow cars, Tomo. Do share. Well, it's a well-known psychological phenomenon. Get him, I said phenomenon. 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 Thing. Just say thing. Thing. <laughs> you never notice yellow cars. However, if you get a car that's yellow or want to buy a car that's yellow, you suddenly start noticing yellow cars everywhere. Right, so there's been a lot more about happiness in the press and podcasts like this one. What else? Well, at the same time that people are reflecting on their work, larger companies haven't always been as quick to amend their working practices. Um, the research firm McKinsey, for example, um, did some research that showed many employees want more purpose in their work, but are companies providing that? Traditional models of working just don't really fit anymore. And employees, especially young people, are moving jobs to work for companies that are more purposeful, have a more positive impact to the world. The work I do on employee ownership is all about this. Employee ownership is absolutely booming. And a big part of that is about employees feeling part of their business. Yeah. And is this working for those young people? Fortunately, not always. Um, I think this is uh, there's a number of reasons for this, but job search site The Muse did a study that showed a whopping 48% of people who swapped jobs wanted their old job back. They say that's partly down to jobs not always being what they are advertised to be. I think it's also about the fact that large companies who advertise their positive purpose in their marketing don't always deliver it in practice. Now, the direction of travel is one way, so I'm sure that's going to be changing, um, but I think there's certainly lessons to be learned there. Yeah, I think there's also been uh, a big shift to self-employment over the years, and might partial retirement also be a factor? So I've been moving into retirement slowly for many years now. I still do quite a bit of writing and acting work because I enjoy it. Um, and when I do it, I still work really, really hard. But the difference is that I only do it now 
when I want to, as opposed to when I need to, because I don't need to do it in the same way that I used to. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you're spot on with this and you're a good example, David. Uh, you know, one of the questions we ask clients is around what they'd actually like to do in retirement, you know, whenever that might be. And the conversation starts off about retirement, but then we go on to test what might be possible if that so-called retirement included some part-time work that was fulfilling. And this often brings that that that's a retirement date or certainly working less date forward, you know, financially, if you're willing to to work part-time a little bit longer, then then you can bring that that free time forward a little bit. But I think gone are the days of the of the gold watch and on your way. Thank you very much. And everybody retires at 65. And it's also about financial planning and career changes and how much income you need. Tomo, could you tell that story of that client who you helped recently? Because I love that story. Uh, yes, remind me remind me of the client, Chris. Um, he's a solicitor. I'll leave the rest See, of you. There's so many of these, Chris. This is the point. There's so <laughs> many of these. No, no, I know exactly who you're talking about. So a client of ours, uh, we started working with them and, and they were beginning to their mid 50s beginning to they worked as a as a as a lawyer and and were very successful and earned very well but were starting to get quite disillusioned with what they were doing weren't getting the the purpose from it as much anymore and we talked and we took about you know do some coaching and, and got to the number what really made them tick in their job and it was that they really enjoyed the training element of what they did of bringing bringing young younger lawyers through and really happened with that but then another passion of theirs was history and we sort of talked a bit further and then almost a light bulb went up off um we said oh, okay there's something there i really enjoy history and i really enjoy teaching younger people anyway go away a week later it comes back to tom i've been in contact with um some teaching training um organizations and i think i'm going to go and move i'd love to become a history teacher and retrain but I need to know that I can financially do that. And this is where financial planning came in. And we proved that he can. He can switch career, reduce his income significantly and do this very purpose-filled job for him that he's really engaged with. That fast forward, he's going through that training now and, and he's going to be qualified in a few months time. And the phrase that really stuck with me, I said, how, how's it going? And he said, I used to be knackered and pissed off. Now I'm knackered and happy at the end of the day. And that, that you know, I've that's actually, like me, seriously, I've actually got goosebumps. Oh, that's just such a wonderful thing to hear, isn't it? It, it? it does make, yeah, that was a night, that was a good day. That was a good day for me personally, being able to, to help someone with that. Of course, it's all their endeavours that, that have got them there, but it, it makes this job worthwhile when you're able to help people in that way. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant story. And, it, and it's worth reminding ourselves that if we do want to make a change, it's not like we're necessarily making a change because we want to do less. Uh, as, as he said, he's still knackered. What we want to do is do it because we want to feel better about what we're doing at the end of the day than we did before, which goes back to what I was saying before. You know, I still work pretty hard when I work uh, and, and I can get knackered at the end of the day. But, you know, I, I always feel, oh, that was a good day and I've really enjoyed it. And so I think it's about, I guess, your general attitude. If someone's listening to this and wonders what they might do to investigate this for themselves, um, what should they do, Chris? Well, first thing is to find the thing that would give them meaning and purpose. Which no, 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 no. The first thing they should do is email Tom Morris at ovationfinance.co.uk. <laughs> 
and then listen to what Chris is about to tell them. <laughs> so, so the second thing you should do is to <laughs> find out what will give you meaning and purpose, um, which isn't actually that easy to do. Um, remember, the first pillar of our definition of financial well-being is to have a clear path to identifiable objectives. Now, the clear path is the financial planning that Tomo's talking about that you need him for. Um, in fact, you probably could use him for the identifiable objectives as well, because you can't challenge your own assumptions. And having somebody else to work that out with you is really, really important. Now, some of our listeners might already have a good idea about what they what they would want to do. They're equivalent to the history teacher. But even then, I'd suggest that there could be a little exercise that you might want to go through that I've literally just thought up. Well, OK, yesterday thought up. Um, so imagine that you win the lottery. You win enough so that you know you wouldn't need to work again. OK, we're not talking stupid money, but just enough so you don't need to work again. Now, think of yourself a year later. You've bought the house, the big car. Maybe you've traveled to Machu Picchu or to watch Barcelona at the new Camp, whatever it is, the thing that you want to do, the bucket list stuff. You're lying in bed in your dream house. On your lap is that bucket list that you drew up just after the big win. Each item on the bucket list is a big tip by it. The new day stretches out in front of you. What are you going to do? So the question is, what would make you jump out of bed with excitement if you don't need to earn? Once you've done your goals, you've ticked your bucket list stuff off. This is not such a simple question to answer. So take time. It could be it's your current job or the business that gives you huge purpose. It could be somebody else's job or business that gives you huge purpose. It could be something charitable, making a difference to other people. Once you start to get an idea of what it might be, then you can compare that with where you are now. Yeah. So suppose someone decides that achieving meaning and purpose isn't going to come from their current job, then what do they do? Um, this is the clear path part, which is what we financial planners called cash flow forecasting. Um, what we do is we get all of a client's financial information together. We're talking pensions, investments, savings, income, their house, their liabilities, like mortgages and loans, um, and, and kids, um, their expenditure, future costs, that we might want to think about everything. We then make certain assumptions depending on the client on factors such as you know their risk levels and and, and investments and capital growth etc. And um, you know what they they think they although we have a good conversation with people on how long they think they might live that somebody might be in ill health um, and we need to factor that in. And then this is the fun part: we start to build various scenarios for the future. We start to project it. And I know you've gone through this, David. Certainly have. And it was really, really useful and interesting process. Uh, I, you did it with me quite a few years ago. And then uh, over the last few years, I've got together with my lovely partner, Gail, and we, you, you, we've started to incorporate her into the planning of it as well. And it's absolutely fascinating to look at the various scenarios that, that we've drawn up together about how our lives will unfold financially over the next X years. And I have to say, from my point of view, it's been hugely reassuring to know that, that, that barring some awful catastrophe, which of course we can't always plan for, that I'm now in a position where I'm comfortably off for the rest of my life. And that's, and that's a nice position to be in. Yeah. You can even, if you're, if, if somebody is more than enough for what they need, you can even look at deciding whether to give money away, whether it's to the kids or to charity. What's the point in die rich after all? Yeah, so I wonder how many of that 45% of people who wanted their old job back went through this process. 
I would imagine not many, which suggests that there is a third part to this process. You've thought about a change you'd like to make. You've worked out if it's affordable. Now work out if the grass really is greener by doing your homework. Ah, good advice there. Good advice there. Yeah, do your homework. Be sure. I went through a career change when I was in my late 40s, early 50s. I suddenly thought, oh, I wanted something for a variety of reasons. And I went to work at a football club. I went to work at Bristol City Football Club. And all of a sudden, (laughs) from years and years and years of being self-employed, I was suddenly working in the corporate world. And it was strange. And it was a big shift for me. Uh, And I did enjoy it. Uh, uh, I was working in an office with some people who I really, really enjoyed working with, great sense of camaraderie. It was when my late wife was very, very ill, and it got me out of the house and gave me a different perspective on my life. Uh, And I did that for nine years, and it was great. But then actually after nine years, I thought, you know what? Probably I've had enough of this now. Uh, And I left and went back to the self-employed world. So it's always worth looking around. You can always find new things that you could be doing with your life. Links that you will go to to get the other Bristol Football Club into this podcast. <laughs> what the only Bristol Football Club I think is the one that you mean. Uh, anyway, while Chris and I go off to have a good arm wrestle about who's the best team in Bristol, we'll let the rest of you contemplate the meaning of the very interesting stuff that we've discussed today. Actually, so let's not bring it down by squabbling about football. Uh, we all know that City are the best. That's it from us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.